0: And so I'm in my garage, and I'm trying to talk, and I'm talking to the microphone, and you can't start the show if the computer says it's full. I can't even remember, did we talk about the middle school concert and Barry Gordy and I Want You Back? And we shot, and we shot, and we shot, and we shot. In the elevator, and out of the elevator. in the elevator hey it's 10 classes the bitterest pill with more fake intros more fake you can't imagine me doing that me me teasing the show live so to speak instead of uh going through the actual recording afterwards and doing it say it, it must save me a good 45 minutes in producing this this little program how, how have you been oh shoot i forgot my water uh you know i'm recording this on uh, may something 2000. Do you say 2000, have we just, do you say 20? Do you say 20 like we used to say 19? Because I didn't used to say 1900. We used to say, eh, 9, 9, yeah, this is 1972. Now I don't say 2013, but I probably should because I'm not going to want to say 2100, right? No one's doing that. But I do feel like since I have whatever 100 minus 13 years is to kind of get this sorted out, maybe it's not a big concern. Maybe I'm never going to be in a situation where I have to say that it's 2,102. Especially given my current age. And let's face it, it's not young. I really don't think I'm going to be around my age plus... Whatever, what is that, 77 years? My math is... You don't want to know about my math. Is that 77? Is it? Did I carry the one successfully? Did I borrow? Did I... Uh, whatever. I don't... Listen. I don't know. How, how have you been? So, um, you know, once again, because it takes me a while to get started with these recordings, because really what I do, I, I come in here. Ooh, that was a pen. Get over there. What I do is I come in my garage. I come into my... Gr- I, I enter my garage. You understand. My garage is here and I come... I enter it and I sit down... And I hook up my computer to all the equipment. And then I do have to check Facebook and my email. Then get a text message. I have to reply. Do you understand? Next thing you know, I'm listening to Prince's original demo for Manic Monday from 1989 or whatever. That's the pitfall, right? That's the pitfall of ever opening any device that's connected to the internet. Because then the next thing you know, you're listening to Abalonia 6. When you really honestly should be recording a podcast. Which is what we're doing. Right now, how have you been? Have I asked you that five times now? We're we up to five. I think it's really only three or four. I'm going to call it five in an effort to shame myself into stopping, and then we'll pre- we'll proceed. Pre- the proceedings will proceed. Trust me. But right before. Uh, I right before we started talking just now, I got a text from my agent. Uh, Beth. Okay. I got a text from my agent and she, te- she you know, good old, mm, she texts me, I have an audition for you, exclamation. And so I obviously am very excited because, you know, I'd like to audition because I'd like to, you know, uh, uh, work. And so I look and I realize that it's not it's not me. It's not it's this isn't oh, she's texting me, but it's not for me. It's for my daughter. Yeah, it's for my daughter, Blondie, Tulu, Lucy Jr., She has an audition. She has a call back on Monday. Now, she had the audition, uh, you know, Wednesday or whatever it was. So after school, you know, brother had to stay at school. I had to rush her up to Hollywood. Right? We sat around. And it was one of those where it was a really long wait and it was a really small room to wait in, really crowded and lots of kids. And kids have to bring their mom and a lot of them have to bring a sibling. Do you understand? It's a very crowded situation. And I forgot the iPad, which means she had my phone and I just kind of sat there and we waited. We had to wait for probably an hour, which you really honestly, you shouldn't have to wait for an hour. But we did. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying I'm just telling I am just listen, relax. I'm just relating to a friend. That that's the way, right? Usually you don't have to wait an hour because there's some union thing where they might have had to pay her if she stayed more. Whatever. Okay, I'm just mentioning it. But we were there for so long and it was so crowded and she got so bored with playing Minecraft and Icon Pop or whatever it is that she was just like, Dad, I can't wait to get in there. I want to get in there and get this over with. I'm like, were you nervous? Like, no, I'm just, uh, uh, uh. So she went in and it was her and a woman playing her mother and a little girl playing her sister and a guy playing, uh, did I say what the product was yet? I didn't really mean to. Did I already say that that it was Dairy Queen? I did just then. Just then I said it was Dairy Queen, so now the I mean it doesn't really matter, but okay, so the the scenario is a Dairy Queen. And my daughter is a customer at a Dairy Queen, and she's very excited or whatever. So I hear her, she goes in finally after an hour or fifteen, whatever it is, and I hear her and the other little girls screaming and laughing and doing their thing. Well, <laughs> And she comes out and after, of course, being bored and wanting to quit the business five seconds ago, she's like, Dad, that was the greatest experience of my life. I had so much fun. And apparently she screamed and laughed her way into a callback. So she, her, my 10-year-old's career is going swimmingly. I haven't heard back from the Christians. I haven't heard back from the two-liner for for Leif Shriver. Did we, ta- we talked about Leif Shriver, right? my animosity towards him. That he's a big star and he got the role that I wanted in Sphere even though I really had no chance of getting it. I wanted to be in Sphere with Dustin Hoffman and Sharon Stone. Is that too much to ask? And that was the same day I saw Clooney. That was the day I said hi to George Clooney. Did I mention that one? I've told that story a hundred times so I'm not going to tell you again but I'm telling you now just so you can put the incredibly intricate and interesting, the insanely interesting plot points of my life together. I'm just saying that the day that I saw Clooney, that he and I passed each other on the sidewalk at Warner Brothers, and I said to him, hey, what's up, chief? Because that's how smooth I am when I see the man on the cover of People magazine, sexiest man alive or whatever. I I don't say hello. Hi. How you doing? What's up? George. No. Hey, what's uh, what's up, chief? So that day, the day that happened, the day I saw Clooney, I was actually on my way to audition for Sphere, which I had no chance of getting. I thought I might have the tiniest chance, because essentially the role I was auditioning for was what I called the Jeff Goldblum role. It was essentially the, if, if Sphere was Jurassic Park, the part that I was auditioning for was the Goldblum part. The like. Right. The the scientist guy who's kind of the voice of skeptical rationality. But of course, the part instead went to an accomplished actor named Liev Shriver, who uh, fully deserved it, as opposed to me, who was just hoping to kind of fake his way through the audition. But I would have probably met Queen Latifah and that would have been cool. So. So we did talk about that, right? OK, so nothing's going on with me. It's business as usual. I'm trying to get. I'm trying to get. I'm trying. Uh, no, I shouldn't say it that way. I'm currently. Uh, I'm currently. Uh, how do I put this? I'm currently. Uh, putting together a college course on podcasting, which I will be teaching with any luck at local universities, anywhere that'll have me. Now listen, if you're if you're one of the people from the university. And you're just listening to this to see what I do on my personal podcast. This is just a character that I play. You understand that, right? You understand that I've created over the years the, the character that is the self-absorbed, neurotic, insecure. You, you're with me on that, right? This is just a character, The real me, right? The professional me that will come in with a suit jacket. thats that's that's the, that's the normal guy. This is just this is just a shtick. Please don't take any of this seriously everything i'm about everything i just said everything i'm about to say whatever it's just a character the real me is that normal guy that will come into your office and shake your hand and will promise to teach your undergrads so that's one of the things i'm doing because i really i need right i need to uh, not give up not give up on my other pursuits but rather just um you know whatever it's the same conversation we've been having for 10 years why am i even bringing it up so So my son, uh, Hudson, who, uh, as you know, is uh, my son. (sighs) Hudson. Okay, so Hudson is sort of the student founder of the school film festival, which is coming up, which means, among other things, he needs to shoot and edit and finish completion, completion of film, a short film before June, uh, whatever. 11th. So I think he has a month left. So he founded this film festival and the school kind of jumped on it and they were very happy and they started a film festival elective which one of the teachers is teaching and the other teacher is teaching special effects and they're doing that and whatever and whatever and everybody's having a ball. But what that means is that Hudson needed to do a film. Needs. I shouldn't say needed because that sounds like he's done. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's so cute. Uh-huh. So, so he wrote... This script and he said oh yeah i wrote my i wrote the script I was like oh okay great well you should show it to me sometime i'm like <laughs> as soon as possible so i can see what you're hoping to shoot and without going into too much detail it's a kind of a... Hmm, i wouldn't say it's a horror thing but it's sort of a psychological um I don't, you know, I don't know my genres. Basically, you know, it's a kid. He's in an office building. He gets in an elevator. Weird, the elevator stops. Weird things happen. It won't go to this floor. It goes to that floor. But the door's open. You see this and that kind of thing. Okay. Very, I'm 14. No dialogue really to speak of. A little bit at the top. And then, and then it's just weirdness. Weirdness and acting for him because he's going to be not only the director and the writer, but the star And music and acting and acting and uh, editing and color correction and uh, whatever. Have we already talked about this? Because what happened was I, I talked to my friend Pete on the phone a couple days ago. And we talked on the phone for about an hour. And so I think, I think through the whole podcast today, I'm going to have deja vu. Because for once, I've actually spoken to another person between shows. Usually, honestly, I try to keep that to a minimum. Minimum exposure to human beings. But because I talked to Pete on the phone, I'm having deja vu with every word that I speak. Have we already had this conversation But how we had to go to Melissa's office and shoot the thing? We can't possibly have had that conversation, right? Okay. So we went to my wife, Melissa, Melissa's office to shoot the elevator movie. And we went on a weekend and we went on a weekend because, you know, no one would be there. Maybe a couple of people would be there, but uh, we could really sort of hopefully have the run of the elevators and we could shoot our little movie or whatever. And I'm sort of involved in the film festival and I've always on, uh, obviously been kind of involved in Hudson's filmmaking. So I'm I, right. I'm involved in this thing. About as much as anyone can be. And because it's really only Hudson, who's an actor, really, he doesn't want to ask any of his friends to help because he figures they'll be bored and in the way and not care because they're not in it. And they're not writing it and they're not in it. So who cares? Okay. So what that means is I am the crew. And I don't mean that to generalize or what hyperbolize or anything No, I'm the crew. I I'm the crew, the one-man crew. So I spend the entire day before I guess we shot on Sunday. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, you don't know about the live. Sh- Why have we talked about this? Now, I don't even know if we've talked about this because I think this, ha- okay, I'm just going to tell you anyway. If I've already done a podcast about this, I'm sorry because this actually happened, I think, before we last spoke, but I, and it, because it was the day before the Leev Shriver thing, but I'm pretty sure we talked about Lev Shriver because I thought we talked about hearing him on the podcast and sphere and all that stuff. I'm too, I, I can't get it. I'm too tired. I don't even want to talk anymore. So I spend the entire Saturday before gathering equipment because we need microphones and we need cables, and we need a boom pole, which we don't really have, which we made out of PVC piping and a bunch of other stuff and some rubber bands that Hudson and I got from Home Depot, right? So we made a boom pole for the shotgun microphone, and it's the normal microphone that I use for the podcast now. I use a shotgun microphone now. Why? Because I knew someday we'd want to shoot a short film that would require a microphone, so if I was going to buy a microphone, why not just buy one microphone and use that for the podcast and the short films instead of buying two microphones and having one just sit around all the time and... Okay. And lights. We have these homemade, this big homemade light stupid thing that I made that has compact uh, fluorescence in it. We have a couple of work lights and we have a couple just like these can lights that have kind of a, you know, like a cone around them. And you put a bulb in there and there's a clamp on it. You know what I mean? You You buy this thing, you buy these things at Home Depot because the class family does not go to the lighting store the filmmaker's lighting store and buy those lights because that would be expensive and rational. We go to Home Depot and look at light bulbs. So Hudson and I, on Saturday, we bought, where is it? Yeah, it's right there. We bought a 300 watt equivalent compact fluorescent bulb. It is the size of, and I'm going to date myself here, a coffee can. Okay, maybe not quite a coffee can, but it's it's it, honestly five or six inches tall and probably four inches in diameter. Is someone chainsawing outside? I, I hope that my equipment is whatever enough that you can't hear the chainsawing, the insane chainsawing that's going on right now because it feels like it's inside my brain. So lights... You know, and then I'm going to play a little non-speaking role as a delivery guy. So I've got to get all my delivery guy clothes. And then I get it in my head. You know what? Hey, maybe every once in a while I'll stand in the background because a lot of the time it's going to be on, a, you know, the camera's going to be on tripod. So i got to get the tripod too, the tripod and the monopod. And uh, But when the camera's on a tripod, if he needs someone in the background, maybe I'll also bring a suit so I can walk by in the background so it looks like a real office where people really work instead of us shooting on a Sunday and we need the scripts, and Hudson drew a bunch of storyboards on the iPad, and is he going to print those out, or is he just going to bring the iPad or whatever? And then my wife, who, you know, shoots commercials for a living, she starts haranguing him about making a shooting board, which I guess is different from the Storyboard, even though I'm not really sure what the difference is, except she wants it all printed out or drawn out on post-it notes. or something that he can have on a big visible board and cross things off of it as we shoot like they would if it was a commercial, even though it's not a commercial, it's a short film, but I am not going to argue because I'm tired of arguing. So I'm getting all the equipment together and he's making this board, this shooting board or whatever you want to call it and getting his costumes together, and scripts together, and we're going through the script, and we're making sure we have all the props, and all the this, and we've discussed where we're going to shoot this, and where we're going to shoot that, Uh, and I have to bring the digital recorder, and the little cards that go in the recorder, and I have to empty all the cards that go in the camera, and I have to bring the camera, I have to recharge the battery, and the other battery for the camera, bring the viewfinder for the camera, and the little level thing for the camera. So the next morning, Sunday morning, um, I load up the car, and the only thing I'm sure of is this. My wife, telling me, the day or two before. Okay, see, you've been in You're in a relationship. You've been in relate. You know, you know how this goes. I don't know why it can't go like this in my household. In my household, this is what happens. All of a sudden. My wife will turn to me with a big smile on her face like, this is the greatest news ever. Hey, yeah, and I thought, because we're going to be shooting up in Hollywood, maybe after the shoot we'll get together with Finney and Andrea. Because we haven't seen them in so long, and we'll be right near where they live. Now, part of you might be thinking, what does Dan have against Finney and Andrea? Nothing. Nothing. I adore Finny and Andrea and their little child. She's so cute. I adore them. I would love to see them. I don't want to see them after I've been a one-man crew at your office, honey, on a Sunday for like eight hours. No, I don't want to see Finny and Andrea. I don't. But you see, you haven't asked me if I think it's a good idea like I think most normal couples do. Don't most normal couples do? Like, hey, honey, what do you say we get together with uh, Charlie and Vanessa? Well, yeah, I think Saturday. Saturday's a little tough for me, but maybe. Don't you? Isn't that normal? Wouldn't in a normal relationship other than mine, you would say, hey, Dan, what do you think about, you know, we'll be near Andrea and Finney's place. What do you say we get together with them on Sunday after the shoot? That would give me the opportunity to say, are you crazy? Are you crazy? Do you honestly think that we are going to have any energy or let alone any patience for each other? After shooting that thing all day in your office, you really think we're then going to sit around and act normal around Finney and Andrea and their cute little daughter? It's It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Because by the end of the day, we're going to be exhausted and starving and at each other's freaking throats. This was a bad idea. So as I'm loading the car, and I'm hoping upon hope, I'm going over every checklist, Are we remembering the, pod, the monopod and the tripod and the work lights and the homemade lights and the can lights and the microphones. And the, 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 the only thing that I'm really sure of is that I don't want to see Finney and Andrea after we're done shooting. There's no way in hell. And it was somewhere in this mix that I find out that I do have that audition for the Leah Shriver TV show Monday. So Saturdays get the equipment together, make the boom pole, Sunday you shoot the film, and Monday is the Lev Shriver two lines. It's only two lines. It's only two lines. It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. I don't need to worry about it. It's not a big deal. It's two lines. It's two lines, and I talked to my wife about it. She Well, she talks to me about it, which ended up being great. She, got, she had some great ideas about what I could do with it. It kind of loosened me up a little bit. And I think she said this just to get me to not be against seeing finney and andrew's like hey maybe finney could run lines with you it'd be great because you know he's a guy and you're playing you know you're playing across a you know you're playing the scene with a guy and you guys and i'm like yeah i guess are you just try-? really because i'm still going to be tired and i'm still going to be sick of all of you when we see them so me running lines with finney is only going to make it ever so slightly better maybe even not better at all but worse Surely you can hear that chainsaw. So, so we go to the office now. Before we go to the office, of course, my wife and I have to start arguing because she comes outside to get into the car, and she looks at my car, which is a a wagon. I have a Jetta Sport Wagon, right? She comes out now. There's there's two adults, a teenager, a tween. That's my family, and the dog. We're going to be gone so long, we have to bring the dog. So there's two adults, two kids, and a dog, and all that equipment, and my wife thinks we're taking one car. Where she thought we were going to put the frame for the green screen, and the work lights, and the tripod, and the shooting board, which that alone requires the seats get pushed back. I don't know where, I don't, I, so now. so she's already mad at me because we have to take separate cars. Maybe it's a shoot day. Do you do, I mean, what did you what what did you think that we were just going to go over there with my camera and then go over to see Finney and Andrea? No, we're shooting. We're sh- You've read the script. You've busted our balls for 3 days about your shooting board. Let's get in your car and drive. We're going to your office. Not like you have to follow me. Let's go. Now luckily she was able to get her friend uh and coworker Rick's uh parking pass. So H and I pull up to the building and park and unload everything in the back of the building. And then I'm going to go park in the structure that's right next door. Now, Melissa parks across the street in a different lot because she doesn't officially work work there. So she doesn't have a parking spot. Now, let me remind you, my wife is currently working at an agency, ad agency, ad agency on Hollywood Boulevard directly across the street from Mann's slash Grumman's Chinese Theater. And when I say directly, I mean I, I'm the, directly across the street from Mann's is the office. So needless to say, even on a Sunday morning, it is Bedlam. Bedlam, Bedlam, Bedlam. So so, Hudson and I go, the girls show up, we unload, right? I go park the car, as I'm coming back from the car, I see a couple of chicks in hot pants and knee socks and t-shirts tucked in, well-endowed young women. I'm like, why why are girls walking around in this back alley behind Hollywood Boulevard dressed like roller skaters from the 70s? And then I realize it's because there's a Hooters. Is that the, I've never, honestly, I've never been in a Hooters. Is that the uniform, like a red, tight red t-shirt and knee socks? Hooters, nothing like going to work at Hooters at a you know ten thirty eleven in the morning. That's got to be awesome. So we go in and we get set up and and no one's there, which was good. There are going to be some people there later in the day, but but right now, really, there is no one there. And so the first the first scene we're going to shoot is M- M- Melissa's going to play the mom, not surprisingly. And Hudson's going to play his character. And they're going to be in her real office, which luckily has a glass outer, uh, you know, wall. And we're going to shoot them in this glass office. And the light is great. The light in there is great, because the other window, the light's coming through, and it's really lit the room. We don't have to bring any lights in there, and it looks great. And, um, so... We do a couple of establishing takes, you know what I mean? We go in the office, we're coming around, we're doing things, But my wife, because she's so used to not being on camera, but being behind the camera and being bossy, between takes keeps bossing me around and I keep trying to explain to her that she's just an actor and that she should understand and be crushed like I am and shut up. But as soon as the take is over she's like, "Well, Dan, did you need should we get up? Should we honey, can you let me make sure that I stop the recording properly. Can you stop acting like you're the executive producer and I work for, Can you just sit there and pretend to be using your computer like you're supposed to?" So she can't turn it off. She's always the boss and she's already driving me insane. Hun, if you want to take over and drive this train, go for it. Okay? But you're not. You're kind of tending to our daughter and the dog and the this and the that. So you do your thing and be an actor when we need you to be an actor. But otherwise, really, honestly, back off because there can't be two pilots. You can either be co-pilot, right? And I'll be the pilot or let's just switch and I will take a load off but we can't both be the pilot. So you keep acting like I'm the pilot, but then you like interrogate me about how I'm piloting and I I can't take it. So we finish up the office and then we shoot another scene, which is in this conference room. In this conference room, I got to tell you, this conference room, I should have taken a picture of the view and I don't think I ever did. The, The office is on the second floor of this building. And like I say, it is directly across from the Chinese theater. So as you're sitting in the conference room, if you're looking to the north, the Chinese theater is right there at your eye level. When they have movie premieres, everybody is literally like right there. they are only two floors up from everything that's going on. I wouldn't get any work done ever, ever. So, we go out to the elevator bank, and, as you can imagine, because you know a lot of the action of his film, it takes place in the elevator, so first, it's in the elevator room, you know whatever you call the little lobby there landing what, what do you call the area outside of the elevators in an office building? you know what I mean where there's two elevators here and then behind you there's two elevators, and the, right you go wait for the elevators, so we're shoot, and I keep saying to Hudson who's a very smart young man and he's 14 and I keep saying, so buddy, what I would love to do, let's set up the camera here. Okay. And let's say we're outside of the left elevator. Let's shoot everything you're ever going to need from this vantage point at once. Let's just get everything right. And then when, when we have everything you need from this angle, We'll move the camera and we'll move the lights and we'll get the other elevator. We'll shoot everything you need from there. And then we'll get both elevators, whatever. But, But the goal of each shot, please, is to get everything we need from that angle and then move on. Because I've seen how... 14 year old shoot and I just in fact he just helped his friend shoot a film with his phone and he needed me to help him get the footage from his phone to a DVD to give to his friend and I saw the footage and they literally this is not how movies are made they literally shot each line of dialogue separately. So, for instance, if the scene is of two people talking and the first guy says, hi, and the second guy says, how are you? And the third guy says, fine, how are you? And the second guy says, fine, they would shoot the first guy saying, hi, and then the second guy saying, hi, how are you? And then they'd go back to the first guy saying, fine, how are you? And then they would go, separate takes. That's not how you do it. You shoot the whole scene on the first guy saying, hi, how are you? Fine, how are you? Fine, how are you? What's going on? Cut. And then you move the camera and then you get the second guy and you go, fine, how are you? Fine, how are you? So Hudson seems to understand my philosophy. Let's set up the camera. Let's shoot. Let's move the camera and let's never move it back. And what do we do? We proceed to move the camera. And the lights back and forth all day. Now, yes, it is a difficult thing to shoot because, honestly, uh, it's really, in a way, because there's not that much dialogue. It's just him in an elevator and the doors open and something else and it's sort of emotional. He, like, gets more scared or shocked or frightened or curious or whatever. But it's really, honestly, the, the back end of it before the special effects and all the insert shots and all that stuff, it's the same thing over and over and over. And I think for him, even with the storyboard and the shooting board and the script, it was very hard to keep track of all those little tiny moving pieces. And so we would be in the elevator and he'd be like, oh yeah, and I need another shot because we never took the shot. Uh, We need a shot of me outside the elevator when the camera's on the left elevator. And I'm like, (laughs) do you understand, Hudson? I have the camera and the tripod or the monopod. At one point I did. I had the camera on a monopod in one hand, I had the, the the digital recorder, the audio recorder, okay, over my shoulder on a strap. And I had the boom pole in my other hand with the microphone on it and then, a, you know, a six-foot cable going from the microphone along the boom pole to the recorder. You can imagine how I would want to kind of amortize those shots out as much as possible. And then every once in a while, the boss would return And ask us how it was going. And I would have this kind of uh, impatient and exhausted look on my face. And Hudson would wander off or stare into space or whatever, because he's a teenager and they need to do that every once in a while. Apparently, every once in a while, they need to go, if not on a digital social media vacation, some sort of mental, just sort of dial tone vacation. And at one point, I'm standing there without exaggeration with the camera. I just put it back on the tripod. I have the boom pole. I have my headphones on. I'm exhausted. I'm waiting for Hudson. Hudson has disappeared. And what happens is Melissa will wait until Hudson is, and I are separate. And then she'll come to me and ask me what we're doing and ask me what shot we're on and ask me if we're getting all the shots. And I keep saying to her in very plain English, "Is not my movie. I'm not the director. It's not my script. It's not my film. It's not my right vehicle. It's not mine. I am the dad. I am the crew. I'm not the boss. Ask your son. Well, I am asking you. I'm asking you and you're the adult. Well, the adult keeps trying to keep us on track and keep trying. So we have this little conversation. But how I want her to ask Hudson And I think we're getting all the shots, but we keep having to go back. And my wife makes the mistake of saying the following sentence to me. Dan, I am working so hard to keep this thing moving forward. And I really start to wonder if there's a way That I can murder my wife, but make it look like an elevator mishap. You know, if there's some way that I could strangle her or beat her with the boom pole, right, impale her on the monopod, but then somehow drag her body to the elevator and make it look like, you know, we were controlling the elevator, we were monkeying around with the buttons, stopping and starting the elevator, and somehow she just got caught and fell down the shaft. I am working so hard to keep this thing moving forward. Really? Really? (laughs) Really? 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 You really just, really, you just, wow, you really just said that. You really just said that. Out loud to me. you. I mean, you know, listen, I know you have crazy thoughts like that fairly often. And it's okay if you do. I just don't want to hear them. Because I'm afraid that you you actually believe them in that moment. And, and this kind of the undertone is that I'm being a lazy ass. And I don't know what's going on. And I'm just sort of zoning out and just sort of Hudson and I are shooting willy-nilly and we're never going to finish. But I know if I start an argument, she will win it because I I sometimes believe that my wife, and I, I don't know if it's her genetics. I don't know if it's her upbringing. You know, she was one of the youngest of five kids. I don't know if maybe that was just like some survival thing. I don't know what it is, but I do feel like there's this constant need to start an argument and then win it. And I can't win an argument because I won't, pull out the weapons that she pulls out I can't as soon as we start an argument and it's maybe it's a defense thing that I always did maybe it's just something I developed early on I just shut down and our son does the same thing I see him whenever I get really mad at him he just is like shut down because if I come at her fire with fire she will just I honestly believe that she would continue to escalate it until I don't even until one of us was dead I really do. I really sincerely believe. If I just decided one day, no, no I'm, I'm not going to take. I, I'm, I'm going to argue with her. Until she relents, we would just end up living apart. I would have to move out. I really, I really think so. I think that her pride and her need to win the argument, I would end up leaving the home, potentially forever. But then 10 minutes later, she's over it. She's past it. She has no recollection of it ever happening. And I'm still seething because I've been working so hard. So hard. And it's not my idea. It's not my film. I mean, I love Hudson and I wish him nothing but the best. But it's not mine. It's his. I'm doing it for him. I'm doing it for him. And I don't want her to be my boss. I just want her to be my wife. I don't know if that's too much to ask. And maybe I have a really kind of naive interpretation of what that means. Maybe to have a wife means to have a boss. Maybe that's exactly what it is. I don't know. All I know is I can't say anything because it won't go well. My prayers are answered because at some point or another, my wife speaks to Finney, and their daughter has a virus. Now, I do feel slightly guilty for a, a, a short while, for praying that a child would get some kind of virus that would create some sort of situation where she had so much throwing up or diarrhea or whatever that we couldn't go over there and hang out with them and have dinner with them after our wonderful shoot. But I got to tell you, the guilty feeling really didn't last that long. I was so thrilled that we were not going to go see them. I w- I would, I'd love to see them. I'd love to see them right now. I'll hit the stop button. I'll drive over there. Right now, and see how they're doing. See everybody, and I'd be thrilled, but really Sunday after the shooting and the boom pole, and I'm working so hard, you've got to be kidding because this is all playing out pretty much exactly how I expected. The dog needs to be taken out every once in a while. the My daughter is really bored out of her stinking mind. My wife shows up every once in a while, the boss is around. Thank God she went and got us lunch or she would be dead. And I am just trying to keep it moving, 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 and get everything so we don't have to come back ever, please. We eventually finished. The sun was going down. But we got, as far as I know, everything we needed to get. And literally everything is out on the sidewalk and I'm just about to go back behind Hooters and go back up into the parking garage and get the car. And Melissa has the idea. Well, she she had this idea for an ending that I don't think my Hudson, my my Hudson, I don't think my son was that crazy about. Mostly because he's not crazy about the idea unless he has it because he wants it to be his. It's very much an ownership thing, which is fine. But I think he had voiced some concern that it was going to be too scary for the younger kids at school and she had suggested this. Ending where he does this and that, and then he has to—he goes down these stairs. And we're standing out on the sidewalk, and all everything is packed up, as you can imagine. We're out on the sidewalk at the loading dock. And she says, well, you didn't shoot the stairs. And I say, it wasn't on the shooting board. And it wasn't in the storyboard. So I guess, I don't know, Hudson, what are we doing? He doesn't want to shoot it. He doesn't. I don't want to shoot it. I don't. I want to go get in the car and go home. What I'd really like to do is just go out to dinner somewhere as soon as possible because I'm hungry again, but that's not going to happen. God forbid. That would require the four of us agreeing on where to eat and what to eat. The only reason we agreed on what to eat for lunch was because everybody ate hamburgers, but my wife. As long as the kids will eat hamburgers, then we're fine. As soon as hamburgers are then off the table, we're just we're dead in the water. But Hudson doesn't want to get into an argument with his mother, and I don't want to get into an argument with his mother. So, the next thing you know, we are there with the camera in the stairwell, just trying to keep the peace. Trying to keep the peace. Because I'm just trying to keep this thing moving. And I'm working so hard to keep this thing moving. Keep this thing moving. Well, it's a week or two later now. And the film... looks amazing. Hudson did a great job. He got all his shots. Well, I wouldn't say all of his shots. There were a couple of things we redid. I was laying on the grass in my backyard yesterday. <laughs> just laying under a chair while he stood and tried to lose his balance from the... Chi- you know what I mean? There been a couple things, a little green screen in the driveway. But... The kid's film is coming along wonderfully. He is... You know, I I forget how good he is with special effects and compositing shots and all that kind of Hollywood hocus-pocus that people do to put things together. I mean, just unbelievable. So everything is as it should be, back to normal. We're not trying to kill each other. We're working together. We're being cordial. (laughs) And the short looks great. Now... the logo of the company I don't know, I don't remember if I mentioned this earlier, the logo of the company is between the two elevators on both sides of the hall little entry thing there so it's in every shot outside the elevators and due to recent complications which we will get into later we really should take the logos out of the film before it hits the internets but as soon as it does hit the internets I'll let you know Because for all the bickering and bitching and hoping one of us would fall down a shaft, we really are a very good team. All right, that's the Spill for, uh, you know, two, three, what is this 312. Yeah. For, th- for number 312. As always, uh, stop in and say hi on Facebook or, uh, thebitterspill.com or follow me on Twitter or, uh, do you guys even still do iTunes reviews? No one really does that anymore, right? Come on now. Anyway, thanks for checking in. I will talk to you, uh, uh, uh I don't know when, next week. Yeah. Okay. We don't. Uh, okay. Uh, bye. The Bitters Pill is produced by Jacket Media, makers of fine podcasts since 2004.